it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here this hour. The great Admiral James Charvitas, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, will be with us in a matter of moments. And Rachel Campos, Duffy at the bottom of the hour. So much to go over, so much to go through. Uh, we just found out the jobs number is a little disappointing. It was supposed to be 209, down to 187, down 40. They had to revise down the last two months, 40,000 jobs. They predicted 209. So not feeling great about the economy. So for 37% of you approve of the economy uh, for the campaign trail. Uh, Tim Scott's going to be out there today. He's going to be in Arizona showing how long he wants to go. Iowa for uh, Ron DeSantis, the president of the United States, going to be the former president of the United States, going to be in Alabama. The president is actually on vacation for 10 days. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Today we got additional evidence of Binomics is working. All of this is part of our blueprint together for what America can be. Now, with Bidenomics in action and some of our investments playing out, we are starting to see some results. There you go. Uh, The Biden administration insisting Bidenomics is working. The problem, even the vice president of the United States says most people living paycheck to paycheck and a $450 catastrophe in their life would actually destroy them. Joe might be bragging about Bidenomics. The polls show it is not going well. What is out there to change the perception from the numbers will separate the fact from the fiction. Number two. This is a very sad day for America. This is a persecution of a political opponent. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. Yeah, the drama yesterday, strike three, but far from out, a third indictment for Trump, the details of the big day, the charges, his legal situation, his schedule, and how it affects the field. We'll we'll talk about it all. Number one. Because as Archer explains, the business of Washington is access. And if you're the son of the vice president, you have the highest access. And the business was being the guy who knows people, the guy who, if your clients have a problem, they know the right person to refer it to. Archer on target as the Biden buddy confirms so much long suspected about the Hunter Biden business and how it really has Joe at the center with his influence. We have Joe's emerging role as VP and how it brought them all millions and might very well be affecting our national foreign policy. Uh, And by the way, you can always get the show, BrianKillMeShow.com, on our podcast. Uh, With me right now, before he goes about his busy day and and intense weekend, Admiral James Stravitas also might decide in the balance of who the next president is What's going to happen in Ukraine? Admiral, great to have you again. Best-selling author as well. Admiral, I don't think I have to tell you that something's changed since the last time we spoke. It looks like Ukraine is intent on putting some of the pain into Russia proper, hitting (laughs) Moscow with some drones and now hitting the Black Sea and the Crimea area with some more. Significant? Hugely. And I'll give you uh, a quick one. And you can flip on uh, any of the TV channels and you'll see a picture of a Ukrainian sea drone on the surface of the ocean tracking like a shark at a big Russian warship. Here's the punchline, Brian. That warship is not at sea. 
It's not in a Ukrainian port. It's in a Russian port in the Russian homeland, a place called Novorossiysk, as you said, on the Black Sea. That's very significant, that explosion. Uh, looks like that ship is sinking. It's being now towed uh, to a, a repair facility. And as you mentioned, the attacks on Moscow. So these are not huge strikes, obviously, but it's significant and shows the Ukrainians are not just going to sit there and take punch after punch from Vladimir Putin. Uh, so we un- Medvedev sounds more <laughs> radical than Vladimir Putin, the former president. What's significant about that? Uh, Medvedev, who used to be the president of Russia and was the prime minister at one point, has now moved even further, if you will, to the right, more nationalist than his uh, his potential opponent in an election. That would be Putin. He's talking very tough. And most recently, Brian, he made noises about using nuclear weapons. Even Putin has kind of fallen away from that. So Medvedev is trying to portray himself as the ultra, utter Russian nationalist, um, whether that's to line up for a political run at some point or simply to be a a cat's paw, if you will, for Putin, saying things that Putin doesn't want to say about, for example, the use of nuclear weapons. One to watch. He is well-known in Russia and well-liked by Putin's base there. Admiral, I'd have to tell you that it actually came to fruition when everyone thought it wasn't going to happen, but there's been space made at a military base in Belarus for the Wagner Group. I'm not, where, I'm not sure where Prashogin, Prashogin is, but it looks like the Wagner Group is there to the point where the Poles are very concerned that they're going to start wreaking havoc on their border. Should they be? Uh, if I were the Poles, I would shine a light on what's happening just across the border in Belarus. I would increase readiness on that uh, far eastern border of Poland alongside Belarus. I would uh, ensure that all of my troops were up on the balls of their feet. Having said all that, um, I don't see Belarus as a serious threat to Poland, certainly not to the NATO alliance. You're correct, Brian, that the Wagner Group is doing a a kind of a, I would call it a minor reconstitution, certainly a few thousand troops. Prigozhin's last sighting was actually not in Belarus. It was up in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, He did a cameo at a conference with African leaders up there. Bottom line, Wagner Group is still not a force to be reckoned with at this point. And I'm confident that uh, the Poles, need to be alert, but no, they shouldn't over-focus on Belarus. The alliance collectively needs to continue to focus on the real fight, and that's Ukraine against Russia. Right. Uh, anything on the front lines is significant. The word is the Russians did a good job in the winter digging in and mining areas, making it tough without air power, which we've not given. We're going to put together a syllabus, choose fighter pilots, and begin to train them in the fall. What an embarrassment that is. As if there's not a handbook or loose leaf laying around of how to train a pilot who can already fly, by the way. So, I mean, yeah. that, that must, it, it's making you laugh now. It must have made you laugh when you heard it. Oh, and it, it just makes my head explode. We, we could have gotten these F-16s or at a minimum mid-29s, which the Poles were willing to give the Ukrainians. They don't need a manual to fly a MiG-29. That's what's in their Air Force. But the U.S. would not step up and provide F-16s to backfill the MiG-29s. Now, as has been the case, 
We, are, we have been too incremental all along, but now finally we're getting to the point of doing this F-16 training. I'll put it this way, Brian. We're, we're not going to have to train you to fly an F-16. We're going to take these Ukrainian yeah. fighter pilots, and they will very rapidly learn how to use that plane. I think that is the potential game changer. We need to collectively be pushing the alliance and this administration to get those F-16 aircraft in the hands of these Ukrainians. But don't you think that's terrible leadership? You write books about leadership. But doesn't this terrible leadership to gradually give them some of the things they need when we're ready to give it, as opposed to give people what they need to win it? Our objective is the same. But what we're doing, it, what we're doing I think, is terrible. I think it's a failure in strategy. You can certainly tie that to leadership. But our strategic choices early on, if you go back a year and, and five months ago when this started, we made the choice to be incremental because we didn't want to escalate with Russia. Brian, you and I both know we are so far past that point, and we have been giving them air defenses, tanks, uh, 155-millimeter uh, uh, artillery. We have provided it. Right. Now we've got to close the switch and give them the F-16s. It's, it's time to move out. Admiral, what you have to be doing on a regular basis, explain to the American people why it matters. Uh, you have to sit there and talk about Russia being one of our top two geopolitical foes. Explain to them if they are allowed to take this, what has happened in the past, and to the point where people are tired of hearing it. Instead, we don't hear anything. Now we have an election coming up, and Republicans are in a tough spot because sooner or later, the majority of Republican uh, electorate is going to say, yeah, I'm done with this. You know, it's about 45 percent support it now. Even though it's the right move, I believe, for our national security and in our national interest, after all, look, what, look what's been exposed. Look at what we're learning from this conflict and what we're seeing about what the Russians can and can't do and what our weaponry can do. Nobody ever explains it. That is a huge part of this story, isn't it? It is. And, you know, we don't have to imagine what would happen if we just walked away at this point. Um, all we have to do is look at history. And you go back uh, less than 100 years ago, we effectively said, ah, eh, we don't want to get involved. We're not going to be part of defending uh, Poland or the Czech Republic or anything else against Nazi Germany. Well, how did that work out? Eventually, we ended up in the war. Yep. We got pulled into it by the Japanese. That can repeat itself. And, and, and I would argue, if you want a pragmatic reason— these are the best defense dollars we've ever spent for for a few billion dollars, which is a fair amount of money. And, oh, by the way, the Europeans are putting in a significant amount as well. I challenge people to really look at the facts. But uh, for a few billion, we are breaking the Russian armed forces as a fighting force. I think that's money well spent. And you're right. The administration has got to do a better job explaining this to the American public. Right. Uh, they just basically say, this is what I'm doing. And uh, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's the way it's done for non-military people that need to know, uh, you know, why it matters on a regular basis. I don't think many could answer that question, sadly. Uh, Admiral, I don't have to tell you that uh, confidence in our military matters, and it's at almost uh, a very low point. Only 60 percent of the American public uh, have faith in our military. Uh, it's the lowest mark in 60 in 25 years uh, the last time this, uh, this low was 1997. How do you explain this? How do you reverse this? I think there are three things at work here, Brian. Uh, number one, 
and it, 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 it hurts me to have to say this, but the debacle of our withdrawal from Afghanistan, I think, played out across a million television screens, and I think that damaged confidence in the military. I think, number two, uh, in terms of the military, um, the divisions in our country are coming to the fore here. All of our institutions are under criticism and declining. And, oh, by the way, the Congress's approval rating compared to that 60% for the military, the Congress is in single digits, I think 8% last time I looked. The media, I think around 9%. Supreme Court is down to about 30 percent. So we're not doing so badly. But number two, the the downward pressure, the cynicism, the divisions, the arguments, I think that hurts us. And I think uh, number three, America goes in cycles on overseas engagements. And I think our experiences in the forever wars, 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, I think that soured the public on what the military does day to day. So I'd say those are the three reasons at the heart of this. I think we can recover this, but it's going to take work on the part of the U.S. military to show the public that we are professional and capable. And I think, frankly, to conclude, what's going on in Ukraine ought to give people more confidence as we, again, break the back of the Russian armed forces without firing a shot ourselves. And it's an aggression, uh, their aggression. We're not choosing to do this. The, the whole exactly. world would love for this not to have happened. And the Russians, oh. if they were given sodium pentothal, would realize it's been a disaster for them. <laughs> uh, so lastly, Admiral, two Chinese sailors uh, uh, selling our secrets to the Chinese, uh, Chinese-Americans. They have family in China. People are writing me saying, look, they hold their families uh, you know, the, the safety and security of their families a lot of times at stake. Should we, in a very American constitutional way, be looking at Chinese Americans in our military and wonder if they're compromised? I think we need to look at everybody. Um, the m- more recently, uh, a New Englander, white American uh, up in New England, uh, gave secrets to his friends online. The point is, I don't think there's an ethnic piece to this that ought to cause us to focus on Chinese Americans. I think what we need to be doing is looking very broadly at who has access to what. And the part of China that we should be looking at here, Brian, is in China. We should be using our uh, counterintelligence capability to track the Chinese uh, to understand who they are approaching. And when we see them approaching anyone, be they Chinese-American, Indian-American, Greek-American like I am, um, then we ought to swoop in and capture them. In this case, um, I think we've caught these two individuals who I hope go to jail for the rest of their lives. We've caught it early on. They look like a couple of low-level Louis. Just over a minute left, but I want you to hear this exchange with Congressman Yemenez and an official uh, with the Biden administration. When's the last time that the PRC asked for a high-level meeting with a senior U.S. government official? Well, uh, Congressman, the engagements that we've had, those have been reached by uh, mutual uh, agreement. We, we issued an invitation. It was up to them to tell us whether that, they wanted to accept or come, and they came. Or they, they indicated they would like to. Secretary, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm asking a different kind of question. You're giving me a different kind of answer. So... Doesn't it seem to you like that may be looked at around the world as a sign of weakness that we are the junior partner? 
Respectfully, and, sir, I completely disagree. Right, I don't, and I want to see what you do, Admiral, <laughs> because we have begged for a meeting with the Secretary of State, the Treasury. We send advisors over there. They have done nothing but be hostile towards us. And I wonder what, what's I, your thought, final, final seconds here. Yeah, I agree uh, that we need to approach this as uh, not the junior partner. We are the senior partner in values, in military, in capability, in alliances. And I would focus on um, the need for engagement, certainly. But ultimately, we need to be on the high road with China and not be subservient ever. Admiral, have a great weekend. Admiral James Servetus, appreciate it. You too, Brian. Talk right. soon. Bye. Okay, listen, back with your calls in a moment. I know you have a lot to say. one 408 We'll get into the Trump stuff, the Devin Archer revelations, and so much more. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, What exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. People that that love Trump, they feel like this is a witch hunt, and they feel like all the things he's getting indicted for are anyway. Not only does it not work, but it kind of hardens their position that he's being targeted, and that this is, these are like the, the actions of a banana republic. You take your political rival and you arrest him, and specifically, you charge him with things that you're guilty of, like the 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 documents, like the classified documents. Biden's guilty of the exact same issue. Yeah, but there's no word on the investigation there. There's not like they're not even clearing it. We don't even know what's happening. This guy, Robert Hur, doing an investigation of documents in his uh, garage, of documents in his house, documents at University of Delaware, documents at the Biden Center, documents in his lawyer's office. What's going on with that? How long does it take to read documents? Got a huge staff, big budget. That is Joe Rogan. I think that's significant because Joe Rogan's not a Trump guy. He, he voted, you know, he doesn't even want to interview him, but that could change, by the way. So. Rogan weighs in and says, this is the everyman attitude. We see the double standard here. Nobody thinks that Trump's a traditional person doing everything uh, by the book ever in his life, period. But they see three, three indictments and a fourth one coming. And the last one doesn't even have conspiracy 
to form a plot to take apart. They have no proof of any coordinating with the Proud Boys, QAnon, or anybody else. And they say, really? This is all politics. For Joe Biden, they can't compete head-to-head with him anymore. Clearly lost his fastball, his changeup, and his knuckleball. Uh, very significant. Rogue has got a lot of followers. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And there's no evidence of that, but they're going to keep trying because that is the argument that they they want to fuzzy the waters out there. Muddy the waters, not fuzzy them. Muddy the waters out there. That, by the way, is a tactic that Vladimir Putin and other authoritarian dictators use, but that's their strategic objective, to make it all seem the same. That is Jen Psaki who is looking at this Devin Archer interview and the transcript released and the revelations that have come forward and the things we now know, and is now saying this is Russian disinformation. Again, classic Russian information. Rachel Campos Duffy is here, co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend and everything else all over the channel. Also, he's got a great podcast, co-host on Kitchen Table uh, podcast. Rachel, great to see you. Great to see you, too. Good morning. I didn't think they would play the Russian disinformation campaign. I'm stunned to hear that because Jen Psaki's not dumb. No. She is not somebody that says, oh, give me my talking points. I think you give her that, right? No, no, absolutely. It doesn't, that, that almost disappoints me. They have no shame. They have no shame. Um, and by the way, the Biden family has no shame. This should be so humiliating, the stuff that's coming out and how low they're going, that they're actually using the death of Bo Biden as an excuse for why he made those 20 calls. Like, oh, you, did you see that MSNBC clip where – um, some of these pundits are making excuses and saying, well, he didn't he got on the phone because this was a difficult time. And maybe he should have told, you know, Hunter, no, who why are you putting me on the phone with these people? But this was such a, a difficult time. I'm like and, and I'm like, no, what this actually tells me is that even as Bo is dying, they're still out there trying to make money off of our country, by the way off of our country, it's treasonous greed. It's not just regular greed. It's treasonous greed. Because you could say one by one they're getting closer and closer. Some people are saying what's taking commerce so long, it, it takes a while. Yeah. You have to unwind all these international business accounts, these shell companies, and you have to understand what investment banking is internationally, which is an expertise. It's not just I'm going to go buy this house, I'm going to go invest in real estate. It is a complex situation. You're raising revenue, investing places in exchange for influence and access. But and that's part, what but, Devin Archer basically said behind closed doors. And then he said it over to Tucker. I don't think it's as difficult as you think. I think it's difficult for Comer because you have an FBI and a DOJ that aren't doing Make their job. Hard. They don't want to do the – listen, a forensic audit, they can do that in their sleep. They were told, the IRS whistleblowers were told, if it, it says Joe Biden, don't go down that path. What the hell is that? So they could easily do a forensic audit. The reason it's hard for Comer is not, I don't think, that it's international and, 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 and that they have all these shell companies. By the way, in the names of the, some of their grandkids, you know, that's more family values from the Biden family. Um, but it's that they're getting no help from the people in the government who should be helping to uncover this corruption. So some of the guys, if you are interested in this, especially if you're moderate, uh, undecided, just just take your time. Even if you are vehemently anti-Trump, 
Instead of just saying, well, this is uh, Russian disinformation or going away with Jen Psaki says what MSNBC leads with, just read the transcript and you make your own decision. So Devin Archer told congressional investigators that Hunter Biden used VP Biden, his dad's defensive leverage to send the right signals to his foreign business partners while selling him as the brand that offered capabilities and reach, capabilities and reach, 40 years in Washington, glad handing wherever you can, having friends from all different generations, getting things done for people, financially benefiting your family. That's what Devin Archer is saying that is happening. And then he expands on that. And who told us this two years ago? Tony Bobolinsky. Thank you. And he said two years ago, and he said, well, besides Fox and the New York Post, no one's even asking me for an interview. The, the FBI, FBI did it. <laughs> yes, you know exactly. what he said at the end of the last Tucker interview? Yeah. Uh, Jake Tapper, give me a call. Uh, and and yeah, I'm an intel officer, colonel and the intel officer. I'm a... I'm a NCAA level Division One wrestler. I'm a very successful businessman. I don't have to work another day in my life. I got a great family, but I care about the country first. Yeah. Here's the situation. Nobody cares, and he kind of knuckled under. And now we see Devin Archer going, "Yeah, this is exactly what I'm doing." And I'm actually going to jail for something else despicable: robbing other people and embezzling right. other people, including an Indian tribe. Which right. how do you sleep at night? Yeah. No, I mean these are all you know shady characters. But but by the way, with Bobolinsky. It's not just that the media didn't follow up on him. I mean, he would have been he's a he was an amazing get for Fox to have on on for that interview. It would have been an amazing get for any network to have him and nobody wanted to have him on. But just as importantly, maybe more importantly, is our government didn't follow up. He asked he said the FBI never called him. He reached out to them. They didn't want to follow up on this. So nobody wants they don't want to uncover this because uh, and and by the way, when you talk about um Joe Biden, he put himself in charge. He got Ukraine was his portfolio. That was his portfolio. And we look we're, we're looking for all this proof. The proof is in that video where he said that he got the prosecutor fired or else he was going to withhold a billion dollars in aid to that country. I mean, well, I you know, th- you know, the retort to that, right? No. Stop Fox uh, bringing that up because we all know other countries that this prosecutor was corrupt and we all wanted him out. I go, really? Who else wanted him out? So other countries didn't like it. But a lot of times people don't like aggressive prosecutors because they don't like what you're stopping them from doing. So for him to sit there and say, I have a billion dollars, you're not going to get it unless you fire him. That is just on its face. Right. He's on the Council of Foreign Relations bragging about something he has no right to brag about. You can't sit there with a billion dollars in your pocket and hold it over people's head and fire people for it. And then it's linked to Burisma. And then we find out basically the Burisma was able to sustain itself. I'll paraphrase. According to Devin Archer, because of the Biden brand, they didn't want to collapse it fully investigated because it would have angered two people on the board and a, a man in, close to the White House, Joe Biden. And Devin Archer was one and uh, and Hunter Biden was the other. I recall a phone call that got President Joe Biden impeached because he was asking President Zelensky to look into the corruption. of President Joe, Trump. I'm sorry, yeah. President Trump made that call to Zelensky asking you know, is there corruption going on here? And, of course, then we had uh, Alexander Vindeman, who was on the phone call, who we know leaked the call. And somehow this was turned into, oh, well, President Trump was threatening, you know, to give aid. Well, we don't know that from the call, but we do know that from Joe from Joe Biden's um, from Joe Biden's video, the video of Joe Biden at this um, at this meeting where he said he was going to withhold he was going to withhold it. So he admitted to that. And by the way. 
had Zelensky gone and looked into this, um, all of this corruption with the Biden family at that time, maybe we wouldn't have a Joe Biden as president. Maybe we wouldn't even have a Ukraine war because, as you know, under Joe Biden and his weakness, that's why we're here. That's why Russia uh, made those moves. No question. Um, a couple of things you said, I think, saying that. Number one, you that is my topic for One Nation on Saturday. That is going to be my open because I don't want to get into ballots. I don't want to get into voting machines. I don't want to get into drop boxes. Can't do it. I don't have the legal team. I, I don't know what happened in Philadelphia. I don't like this. I don't like that. But that's not enough. I'm going to put that aside. As the American voter, undecided independents, moderates, whatever it is, you were still up for grabs. You knew everything about Trump. You knew the good, the bad, the ugly about the pandemic, how he governed, what the Mueller report did and didn't do. You made your opinion. But did you know everything about Joe Biden? And you didn't. No. And the reason is he lied with impunity and without conscience. And to the point where the Washington Post, Glenn Kessler yesterday gave four Pinocchios to Joe Biden for saying you never knew anything about the president's, uh, your son's business dealings, and you never took part in any of the deals. When we know you parachuted into at least 20 conversations, according to one business partner. And can you imagine if we knew this? Remember Joe Biden, October 2020, on the debate, cut three. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. So, yeah. And in uh, that debate, he also— well, that's a flat-out lie. It's a flat-out lie. He and knew then, it. And then when you brought up earlier, you know, with Jen Psaki, Russia disinformation, later in that, in that debate, he said um, that it was Russian disinformation— um, and he and 51 intelligence officers have said so. That was the excuse that he had. Of course, that was all planned by Anthony Blinken, who collected all those names so that Joe Biden could have that specific talking point because they knew this was going to come up in the debate. So you talk about the lies, Brian, the lies were all coordinated, coordinated with big tech to suppress the laptop information itself coordinated with very dishonest again i'll say it treasonous because if you're lying like this it's treasonous um uh people who who you know the 51 intelligence officers who signed that letter knowing that it was not russian disinformation that that laptop with the fbi who also knew the laptop was real there were so many people conspiring to lie and withhold that information and brian including the zucker bucks in key cities especially in wisconsin where you're from exactly all of this happened. And remember, 14% of Americans who were polled after the election said, I would not have voted at all or voted for Joe Biden had I known about the Hunter Biden laptop. That would have changed the election. That is election interference. That is. Yes. And that's Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin. I don't know if Michigan was out of reach. I, I forgot the fact exact number. But when you talk about a few thousands of key states, that's absolutely mm-hmm. it because they were too hard. They were too tough to even yeah. poll. We didn't know how it was going to go. So, and by the way, I'm from Wisconsin. We everyone in Wisconsin understands what happened with the Zuckerbucks in in Wisconsin. They also do not believe for one second that Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Obama in Milwaukee. I'm sorry, it's just weird. It's in, it's not just weird. It's impossible. So you know they right. changed a lot of rules using COVID. And 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 that's what they did. 
And he did this by because of COVID, legitimate. He's old. He didn't have to campaign. In fact, Trump got people angry because he was campaigning. Uh, before I digress, I just want to finish off this point. Sure. So in with politics, because you're a political family. So let's say there's something that's, you know, for example, John McCain was involved with a with um, this, was involved with somebody that did some shady business dealings because I made a mistake. I, yes. I should never been involved. So what happens is when you're in a difficult situation, you don't just say yes or no. You say, you know, when when uh, when you're out of office and you you do some deals to be able to give your family some money. Uh, I don't think anything was unethical as far as I could tell, but I felt good about these deals because it was never going to affect. But that's how you explain away. Then you say, okay, that's his explanation. You don't look into the camera and say it never happened, never knowing that there's a trail that's going to prove you blatantly wrong. You leave some gray area. Well, I said that there were international business deals. I want to make some money knowing that I wasn't going to be in office again. I never thought I was going to. So then all of a sudden it's like, well, I got and your, your fans and your supporters go, I have something to go with. But basically, you looked in the camera and lied. And the only thing your supporters can go with is ignoring the entire thing. Here's more of a blatant lie. Cut four. Did Barista there was a pay report. him 183000 a, a month what, what, with what no mean, experience you, in energy? Mr. Look, Mr. No my son did nothing wrong at Barista. I think he did. Mr. President, guy that let him answer. He doesn't want to let me answer because he knows I have the truth. His, his position has been totally, thoroughly discredited. By who? And one, so... I mean, yeah. Trump did. The more I think about, it, the more I listen to it. He actually did much better than I thought. Yeah. Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace looks bad in 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 retrospect. I went back and saw this. He looks worse at, at, when you look back. He on went this. to defend him so many times. So many times, Chris Wallace was terrible in that interview in in that debate. But you know what? You, back to your question. You know, he didn't leave gray area. Um, I think the arrogance of Joe Biden and also knowing. The powerful forces he had in his pocket, the media, the intelligence, you know, you know, establishment, um, Barack Obama, uh, you know, big tech. He had so many people covering for him. He felt confident. And you look at like some of the things he says, like nobody F's with the Bidens or remember, remember this this phone call that he made that Hunter Biden made. Um, to the Chinese chairman that he was talking to, you better send that money yeah. or else, blah, blah, blah. He's sitting right, dad is sitting My right next to me. My dad is sitting right here, and if you don't, I mean, that 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 exchange alone, that text exchange that came out, really just shows you just how um, untouchable they think they are. And I think it comes from years of being in office, but also the culmination in that election where there so many powerful forces wanted Trump out because Trump is such a threat to the establishment. And all of them were working to get this person, as you said, who was basically sitting in a basement elected. He knew he was untouchable. And guess what happens? If Trump is stuck in a courtroom, guess who gets to sit in the White House and not do anything? Joe Biden. Yeah. And suddenly he's like, yeah, I could go campaign. What's the point? Everybody's watching the trial. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm just going to do my job. Little prove to people I need four more years. I'm going to stay in the office like Eisenhower. I don't need to run for re-election. Everyone's going to vote me in anyway. The only thing that would force him out is if Trump goes out there and starts getting 15,000, 20,000, 22,000, going these major rallies. People start going around them. The economy's going south. Ukraine is a deadlock. All of a sudden, a lot of these issues start bubbling up. But if he's stuck in court, say, listen, you want this guy that's fighting 78 charges you want him to be president? That's uh, that's part of the goal. It was a conversa- uh, conversation supposedly leaked between uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. I guess President Biden 
or, or President Obama came to the White House and had lunch with June. him. Yes, and and I think that they are really stunned at the strength of Trump politically. I think they really thought that these indictments and this, um, you know, these legal troubles would separate the voter from the Republican voter base from Donald Trump. But I think it's it's they they've gone too far. I think right. people it just keeps getting stronger and stronger for him because people are so disgusted by the injustice. A couple it. more minutes with Rachel Campos Duffy. She's actually going to be on One Nation uh, Saturday night at eight o'clock. Uh, we're breaking it right now, getting ready for eight hours of programming over the weekend. She just realized it is going to be <laughs> six, uh, eight hours live television on Fox and Friends weekend. Back in a moment. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, we're back. Rachel Campos Duffy is here. Hey, uh, Rachel, I thought it was very significant. Uh, we had Jordan Peterson on this week, and they say, why, you know, why do you think so many young men, especially black men, are, are leaning to the right and so many women are leaning to the left? And he said Joe Rogan. Yeah, I, I go, heard that. I so, heard that. Uh, I thought this is significant. After these, all these calls for Trump and everything like that, he is now considering interviewing Trump, and he said this about uh, the way the American people feel. Cut 21. People that, that love Trump, they feel like this is a witch hunt, and they feel like all the things he's getting indicted for are bull- Anyway, it does, not only does it not work, but it kind of hardens their position mm-hmm. that he's being targeted and that this is these are like the, the actions of a banana republic. So that, this is a guy who voted right. for Bernie Sanders and said, you know, I don't like Trump and I don't like a lot of things he did. Do you, do you think that means anything more than just a uh, a successful podcaster? Well, first of all, it's not just when you talk about Jordan Peterson's comments about um, men uh, maybe leaning more right because of. Joe Rogan, it's it's really the manosphere. There's a whole part of social media and and podcasting that's filling this gap for men that our culture has left because our culture is telling men that it's bad to be a man, toxic masculinity. Yeah, be Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's a and and also I think there's a lot of fatherlessness. I think Jordan talked about that as well. Um, there's a lot of fatherlessness, and there is a desire. In a lot of young men, how do I become a man? And so I think people like Rogan, but also these other big mm-hmm. figures in the manosphere, some more nefarious than others, are filling that gap. And 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 young men are looking for something. Right. That said, the reason Joe Rogan's having him on is because it's great ratings. Right. Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, he says consider it now. By the way, a real man, Sean Duffy. And Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. So glad you're here. I'm at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. But I'm heard around the country, around the world. We have our uh, our sights firmly uh, set on the rest of the country, not just New York City, which is overrun by illegal immigrants, crime, uh, and poor leadership. Uh, the governor of the world, the worst in history, totally over uh, over her head. And a mayor who loves to talk, dress in nice suits, and work out and go out to eat, uh, says stuff without thinking, has totally been abandoned by uh, by Washington, D.C. And Joe Biden, who he claims to be a Bidenite, well, Joe Biden has given you the Heisman. Uh, we'll discuss that. We also know uh, locally the Suffolk County District Attorney uh, will have a press conference today, evidently with the serial killer that was found in my town of Massapequa, uh, New York. They found belts around one of the victims with the, the initials. 
and it could lead to the fourth victim and so much more. So we'll cover all that uh, as well as uh, talk to uh, Brett Tolman about what took place yesterday, the president's legal hurdles and more. Ed Rollins is standing by, one of the best political consultants in the history of this country. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Today we got additional evidence of Binomics is working. All of this is part of our blueprint together for what America can be. Now with Bidenomics in action and some of our investments playing out, we are starting to see some results. Yeah, there we go. Bidenomics playing out. Tell it to the American people who give him a very low mark on the economy. We added just 187,000 jobs, lowest in about two years, lower than 209,000. We'll discuss the American mood and why the president still wants to run in his economy. Number two. This is a very sad day for America. This is a persecution of a political opponent. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. Strike three, but far from out. A third indictment for Trump. The details for the big uh, for the third day and the big charges. His legal schedule now, how it affects the field, why he is stronger than ever, according to the polls, even if his critics are astounded. Number one. Because as Archer explains, the business of Washington is access. And if you're the son of the vice president, you have the highest access. And the business was being the guy who knows people, the guy who, if your clients have a problem, they know the right person to refer it to. Archer on target as the Biden buddy confirmed so much long suspected about the Hunter Biden business being all about Joe's influence. We have Joe's emerging role as VP and how it brought them millions of dollars, much of which we do not know where it is and how they might be affecting national foreign policy. Ed Rollins is with us now. Uh, GOP consultant, former assistant to President Reagan, managed his re-election campaign. He's also a senior presidential fellow at Hofstra and a member of the Political Consultants Hall of Fame. And he's in my personal Hall of Fame. Ed, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I'm, a, I'm an old man, but I'm still going strong. You are, because that's that boxing background. Ed, when, you, when you heard, I know you've seen uh, people like you could say, oh, I've seen it all or reminds me of. As you watch the president be indicted for a third time, you can honestly say, I believe you've never seen anything like this. What about the response so far and what it means for the rest of the field? It is not. It is not. Uh, it's never happened like this before. No one has ever, ever had to carry the burden that he has to carry. And, and uh, the legal the legal stuff alone is, is, is awesome. And it's not finished yet. Uh, but the reality is the base is holding strong. People still love him. Uh, I don't think he could be beat for, for, the, for the nomination. Uh, and I think the key thing here is he has to, he has to fight on two fronts. Uh, one is he has to obviously let his attorneys handle the legal stuff and go to court and fight as courageously as they can and as effectively as they can. At the same time, he's got a primary going. And I think to a certain extent, uh, he's got to go out and have a, have a talk about what he's accomplished, which has been lost for two years. And many accomplishments took place there. And, and the contrast between that and what Biden has done is is, is awesome and still stay on, on sync. Um, he, he, I, let me just say this about Donald Trump, though. He's like a lion. Uh, you think he has him cornered by a bunch of hyenas, he's going to tear them apart. Uh, uh, the, the legal challenges are severe. There's no question about that. I think the first thing I would do if I was advising him or basically his, his chief of staff, I'd tell all the lawyers to shut up. Uh, they're out there... They're out there giving different uh, different views and 
his own lawyers, and, and you know, he, he, you don't win, you don't win that battle. You win that battle in court. You know, they all want to be on TV, they all want to be on the radio, they all want to tell their stories, and their stories are not what you do when you give your strategy away. Is the other side just comes back and counters it and and pounds away. So my sense is shut the lawyers up, stay uh, stay in, inside and fix what you can do and go to court in a very difficult court environment. Uh, D.C. is not the best place for any Republican. To, tell to me if you like. Tell me if you like this stance, Ed. Cut twelve. Donald Trump yesterday. This is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. And he says, stance is I'm fighting for them, but they're really coming for you. And I'll, I'll, I'm more than happy to fight for you. But just understand that they are coming for you. So well, your, your thought of that stance and, and whether he believes it or not, uh, I think it's very effective. I think it's very effective. First, first of all, he, he's, he needs to go back to the to the root of all this. Nancy Pelosi made this happen. Nancy Pelosi, this would not have happened. The Justice Department hadn't done a single thing for the last couple of years until she put this scam hearing together. It was, you know, the, what if she stacked it with Democrats and basically forced it through. She forced through the two impeachments, and she forced through uh, – she hated Trump, and she did everything she could to basically make sure that Trump would not be an effective president. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, that's what, that's what he has to go after. He has to go hammer hammer her and talk about those kinds of things. Uh, you're not going to win the campaign again by talking about it over and over and over again. There's been 60-plus cases that have gone to court. Uh, you're not done well in court. What you've got to do is talk in terms of the process that did him in was the Nancy Pelosi Democrat process. Joe Biden is a very weak president. Uh, I think if he becomes the nominee, he'll be a very effective candidate and could win again. That drives them all crazy. But uh, you've got to basically have a, have a strategy that, that works. Uh, and again, you can't have 12 different lawyers uh, every day going out and saying different things and basically mm-hmm. getting all the media to, sta- to jump on them and basically take apart their, their challenges before they even get to court. Court is where the, 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 this challenge is. The campaign trail is where he's going to basically win the nomination. Ed Rollins, our guest. Ed, uh, no doubt about it, you set up a super PAC uh, for Ron DeSantis, and you were quoted as, uh, about a week ago saying he's not a good candidate. The problem is the candidate. Um, I was surprised to hear you say that, but you are an expert in that area. I was impressed with DeSantis. I look at his report card. I couldn't believe what an effective he is, how smart he is. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, I think he could be a potentially good president, but you saw something that makes you feel differently now. Why? I've seen hundreds of candidates over my lifetime, and it's, it's, it's sort, of, sort of like guys who watch horses. Uh, you know, you, you can see a good horse when they can run, they can do certain things. Uh, DeSantis, I think, has not been able to tap into people. Uh, he, he he jumped into this race and obviously wasn't quite ready for it. Uh, he's not a national politician. Uh, I think he's been a good governor. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you automatically have to be president. Uh, I think there's several people in there that were good governors that are in this candidates. But to be, but to take on Trump uh, is a whole different, different thing. And I just kept seeing him falter. He, he can't, he can't tap into the young people. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, when you can't go to the Hamptons, uh, which we, you and I both know what the Hamptons is all about. If you, if you can't do fundraisers in the Hamptons because people won't show up, 
that tells you the support of the big uh, I didn't know that that, that that has happened. He, he People wouldn't show up in the Hamptons. I see them packed out. I went to a Nassau County event, and I saw almost everybody, every politician, show up at the Air Museum, Air and Space Museum. And then uh, I saw them all meet him backstage, and he walked out, and there was probably 500 people there. Well, 500 people in the, to fill that auditorium, but he could not basically do fun. His fundraising is, is he was very fast. He got out very quick, uh, and, and but, he, but he's not made any progress. Uh, his, yeah. his poll numbers have dropped dramatically. Uh, he's got good people around him. Uh, there's some good campaign types, but I think it's him. And I think the reality is you're going to see him diminish uh, as time goes on, because now what happens is uh, the other candidates are going to jump on him as opposed to jumping on Trump. So. It's amazing. If anyone thinks they're just going to jump on Trump and when Trump goes away, the Republicans get more yeah. of a fair deal, forget it. See no the way, way they went after DeSantis? Now they're calling him a racist, sexist, book banner, uh, now the pro-slavery. I mean, I can't believe some of the stuff they're pinning on him uh, and, the, and the viciousness in which they're attacking him. Uh, and, and again, he's not winning. Uh, and for in your case, Ed, you don't think he will. Here is DeSantis on a special report a couple of days ago. Look, at the end of the day, you're looking at return on investment on everything. I set out the vision. If that vision is not realized, I make changes to be able to get us going forward. But I can tell you this, uh, when you're on the ground in Iowa and New Hampshire, like we've been over the last six days, you know, those voters want to see you. Uh, and when we're able to go meet with them, talk about our success in Florida, talk about me being the only military veteran in the race, talk about our vi- vision for America, we get folks uh, to join the team. And so this is a long process. you got to be on the ground. So uh, that was his explaining why he had to let so many people go and maybe overspent and had to cut some expenses. Um, your, your thoughts on his explanation? Well, my, my thoughts just on that is controlling the money in any campaign is very, very important. Uh, it's probably the most important thing you can do. He had more money than Trump than anybody, and he basically overspent. Uh, and to, to let a third of your staff or 40 percent of your staff go two weeks before you start your Iowa trip uh, does not show sound management. So right. my sense is that's one, that's one more telling thing. Uh, you know, and I don't want to sit here and trash trash him. I want to basically talk about the guy who I think is going to be the nominee is Trump. What about Glenn Youngkin? He's thinking about getting in. He's uh, thought about it. He head to head in Virginia. He does beat Joe Biden. We know that he's uh, extremely talented, smart, and likable. Does Ed Rollins think he could? There might be a lane for him to get in. I don't think there are any lanes for anybody. Uh, I think he's. A, I think he's a good governor. I think he ran a great campaign. Uh, he's one of the new stars of our party, uh, and I think he's. I think it's all about the future. Right now, this is Donald Trump's race. Uh, you're not going to move these people away from Trump, and the more he's persecuted from their perspective, the more they're going to stick by him. The sad part of all that, though, is you can't talk about the issues that are important to the country. You're basically out there arguing every single day about legal things. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, uh, you know, people don't know about the future, not the past. And if the Trump strategy is basically just to redo the, the last election, uh, he'll still win the nomination, but it makes it harder to win the general. So he's got to basically every day, and it's very complicated because of all the legal stuff, uh, it's very complicated to do this uh, uh, on three or four fronts on the legal side and then still run a, a meaningful campaign to win. But I think to a certain extent, the base of this party admires what he's done and they're going to stick with him. Ed Rollins, our guest. Ed, uh, you know Joe Biden for a while, right? Yep. So what Ed Rollins, we're finding out now more, almost everything suspected about his business dealings and logic would lead you to, obviously, he's playing a role with Hunter Biden's business. Now we have business partners coming out, backing up what Bobolinsky said, that this guy's playing a major role with these different countries and possibly affecting policy. 
What's going to be the effect on the campaign? How do you feel as an American with these revelations now emerging and knowing that in the debates and in these conferences and the few interviews he gives, he looked right at you and lied about not knowing anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings, not playing a role, saying it has nothing to do with what he did in Ukraine. How do you feel about all this and what does it mean for the election? Well, it appalls me, but I've, I've watched it for 40 years. For 40 years, uh, when he's been the, the senator from uh, from Delaware uh, before he became the vice president, uh, his brother was one of the biggest lobbyists. It's a small state, basically a state that has a lot of capital uh, and a lot of banks. To, uh, and, and he's always, he's always at, least, at least the way he's done it is sort of the way Mayor Daley used to do in Chicago. Mayor Daley didn't take money, but everybody around him got the money and got the rewards. In my sense, is this the same way with Biden. Is it going to play a role? To a certain extent. Big pardon? Is it going to play a role in this election? It should play a role. It, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not confident that the Justice Department is going to do anything about him. Uh, they may get his kid because his kid certainly has been a, been a, been a rogue character and deserves to be uh, imprisoned or certainly charged seriously. And uh, But getting getting the president is harder than it is anything else. Understood. Um, it was, we'll see what happens. But if more and more, even like the Washington Post coming forward, giving him four Pinocchios to saying what he said about China, son making money there, knowing about the business deals, knowing that he's been in 20 meetings on speakerphone or in person. I've never seen anyone blatantly lie like that. Usually, you know, in politics, there's a gray area. You know, what my son does is impossible to keep up. Some of these deals are complicated. I never thought I'd be back in public life. Um, I went to private life. I was looking, there, was, there would have been a, somewhere to go to bat for him. But he just looked down the barrels of the camera and said, not true, not true, not true. He's lying. And all of it's becoming true, true, true. So that's not even being a good politician. Well, the reality is he deserves he deserves to have his, his life and his, his his public life and his private life exposed. Uh, it, it's hard to do that because mainstream media obviously loves him uh, and, the, and the Democratic Party loves him because he's the incumbent. They don't love him because he's a competent president. Uh, and I think the real question is, is can he function as a real serious president? Uh, you know, he's obviously slipping by the day. He falls asleep in meetings. He does all kinds of stuff. And, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's 80 years old. Uh, you know, and, and some 80-year-old people can function effectively. Some can't. In my sense, on his particular case, day by day, uh, he's kind of going by rote. Uh, and his staff is running, running the White House. So, a little scary. I think the I think the reality is it's, it's a dead even race today. And yet, I mean, what intrigues everybody is how can Trump, with all of his problems, can stay even with him, and he is even with him, and ahead in some polls. So, if I gave you I any candidate to to give a run at Trump, who would you pick that's in the field right now? Well, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Biden. I mean, if, uh, you, you mean a Democrat? No, Republican. I mean, Republican. In the Republican field, if I could say pick a candidate and run him at Trump, who, who would you pick, and what would you do? I don't see anybody at this point in time that can beat him. Um, you know he's got this. He's got this lock on the base. Uh, you know we've got some good candidates in there, but they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to raise any money. Uh, you know Mike Mike Pence is now done and finished. He'll he'll, he'll never never go anywhere that he won't be booed off the stage. Gotcha. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, uh, you know Christie's tried it before. Uh, Christie's going to get all the attention because he's going to attack Trump. But the reality is, he's not going to gain any any vote support. Um, Ed, so I don't I don't see anybody in this field that can do it. Ed Rollins, firmly believer in uh, Donald Trump, but can he win the general? Is a bigger question. Ed, can't wait to have you back. Have a great weekend. Anytime. Thank you. Bye bye. Back in a moment. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. But when are you having Trump on? I don't know. Okay. Look, I don't know. Maybe. Looks like you got something. Maybe. Okay, good. That's good. I think that's... Uh... I look, at a certain point in time, it's just like, it would be interesting to hear his perspective on a lot of things. I would like to know what is it like when you actually get into office. I would like to know things like, what what is it like versus perception? Yeah. What is it actually like when you get in that building? Like, what, what, what are you greeted with? When do you know that people are you yeah i mean that's typical joe rogan uh, ask every man questions and it would be great to get away from 2020 what happened what about the voting machines what it'd be it's just great and and you know we hope to have trump on here soon too uh and i would love for these judges to say listen don't talk about 2020 you can get and get yourself in trouble it would be the best thing possible for his uh for his quest to be president uh, because uh, no one really questions his ideas, his toughness on the world stage. There's no doubt about it. People are a little unnerved by what he does. Some people here are unnerved, like General Kelly and, and others. I understand that. But for the most part, I love for people to start fearing us again. Uh, because right now they're mocking us. And we're the strongest guy on the block. And we acting like we're not. And from buzzing our planes in Syria to what's happening in China, uh, it's just got to stop. And he's not a big warmonger either. But look, he's starting to, the water's starting to break on Joe Rogan. That'll be a big deal. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. They're also saying that he was just exercising his First Amendment right here. Do you think that's a valid argument in your view? No, I really don't think that's a valid argument. Because, you know, as the indictment says, you know, he, he, they're, they're not attacking his First Amendment right. Uh, he can say whatever he wants. He can even lie. He can even tell people that uh, that uh, the the election was was stolen when he when he knew better. But uh, that does not protect you from entering into a conspiracy. All conspiracies involve speech, and all fraud involves speech. So, uh, you know, free speech doesn't give you the right to engage in a fraudulent conspiracy. Well, is it illegal? Is it criminal? And I, I saw the Wall Street Journal story today, um, and I thought the, the terms were kind of interesting. You know, it, it's condemnable, absolutely, but is it criminal? You know, is it outrageous behavior, the speech on January 6th, and go to the Capitol peacefully, whatever you want to say, uh, and the way the president acted after? Is it criminal? And that's the bigger question. Brett Tolman now, former federal prosecutor, former counsel to Senate Judiciary Committee and former U.S. attorney for Utah, joins us now. Hey, Brett, this third indictment is anything but a knockout for the president, but each of them are going to be challenging. They're going to be expensive. But you heard what Bill Barr said. Do you want to comment directly to that? Yeah, I do. Brian, thanks for having me on. Uh, I I will say I think Bill Barr is dead wrong on this, and I I think – his his disdain for President Trump is really clouding, you know, thoughtful analysis of what this indictment is, uh, and and he's so close to a tree that he doesn't see the really the, the harmful forest that is growing out of the efforts of someone like Jack Smith. When you have a prosecutor that's creative, you you have um, you have a dangerous situation on your hand. Um, you know, I heard his comments about 
free speech and every fraud and every conspiracy involves speech. Well, the difference is you don't have criminal intent. You don't have anything in that indictment that um, points to the requisite criminal intent, and you don't have statutes that are being used that criminalize what occurred. And and that that alone, I don't care if you hate Donald Trump or 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 if you if you love him, that should be a, a really big red flag on this latest indictment. So Brett, why bring it? I mean, you only you have to come to politics on this. And Jack Smith, yeah. who's got a terrible record, you know about Menendez's case. Uh, he didn't get his conviction. The hung jury with John Edwards, he didn't get it there. Reversal on the governor of Virginia at the Supreme Court level overcharging. And I go back to the original point is like he'd be the last person I'd ask to come back from The Hague to take this case because he's got a history of overcharging. I don't care how many triathlons he runs. Yeah, he took two and a, it's two and a half years of, of, of an investigation. They timed the, 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 the indictment. You know, they're stacking these indictments. And one thing we never did in the Department of Justice is if you had a target and you 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 would pursue you would pursue your your best most serious criminal uh indictment against that target and you would see what happens on that case before you brought other other potential cases and here we're seeing multiple charges being brought while he's after he's announced that he's running for election i don't think they would have brought any of these had he indicated he's no longer going to run for election and and that fact alone um it, it is is really really exposing the department of justice for its two-tiered system that it is right now uh brett tolman our guest so brett uh some of the uh, attacks against him uh, i watch other channels that go out of my way to get different perspectives i have no interest in doing what they do and when you bring up something about a laptop or an investigation or a Corvette do- documents by a Corvette, they don't know what you're talking about because they have no idea that there's some other uh, point of view out there and there are other facts that need to be addressed. Mike Pence, for example, said this on the story, and people are saying this could be detrimental. Cut 13. Let's be clear on this point. It wasn't just that they asked for a pause. Uh, the president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of, uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me, to literally reject votes, to, which would have resulted in, uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives, and literally chaos would have ensued. Is that going to hurt him? Well, it's, it's, look, I, it's not criminal to ask somebody if you believe, you know, look, look at what lawyers do every day in this country. They, they can actually disobey the law if they believe that the law is unconstitutional or illegal, and then they can go, and the civil courts are well-equipped to sort it out. Um, Pence didn't end up doing what he says the lawyers were asking him to do. The lawyers can do that and ask without it being criminal. The Supreme Court, if he had done it, then the Supreme Court is well-suited to to address it and to fix it. But what we're doing is we're, we're taking legal advice that's typically advice of counsel is a defense to a client. Um, we're taking that conduct. We're, we're throwing lawyers and a client into a conspiracy and we're charging it criminal. Legally and factually, this is not a criminal case, but is it going to hurt Donald Trump? Yes. I, I think he'll be convicted. I think he'll be running for uh, president from, from a jail cell. 
He's, you he, do. He'll get convicted. Well, I do. What, on I think, what case? <clears throat> I, I think you have you have a D.C. jury, a judge that's not going to not going to seriously entertain a motion to dismiss based on factual and legal deficiencies in this indictment. Can you motion to get rid of that judge? You can, and but she gets to decide if if she recuses herself, Ugh. and so she won't. They'll go forward. They'll push this trial. It's a ninety-five percent conviction rate with with juries in the federal system. D.C. absolutely disdains Donald Trump. He'll be convicted. He'll be sentenced to a long prison sentence, very long prison sentence. She will not entertain him being out while the while he appeals. So he will. He will have to go to prison. He'll then appeal. <clears throat> he'll lose at the D.C. Circuit, and then he'll appeal to the Supreme Court. If he set the record, you know, if, if he's put the record very well together during the lower court and the and the appellate court, then the Supreme Court might be that opportunity to avoid the conviction um, to send it back to the to the district court. But I mean, that's. That's what I think is going to happen. It was. It would take something really remarkable for that to not happen. So, Brett, if he gets convicted in D.C., uh, what would he, he say immediately? I'm going to appeal this case, and he appeals it. They would put him in jail while the appeal is pending. That's right. She will. <clears throat> she has under the statute. If the conviction occurs, as soon as that conviction occurs, she can take him forthwith. She can take him right then. Have the marshals take him from the courtroom. To prison, will they? I do. I do think they will. Yep. Even though he's running for president, and they would just—I'm—I'm I'm a little stunned by that. I just thought an appeal would happen. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean it's not how it happens in the federal system. They have the ability to take him right then. They will. Um, this judge is is notoriously upset at the January 6th having happened. Um, she sentences very very uh, tough sentencer. The the <clears throat> the exposure that the president have is is enormous on this. I think he'll be convicted. It's very different, and and why they brought it is because they want that dynamic. They do not like the situation in Mar-a-Lago. They don't like the judge. They don't like the possibility of a Florida jury. And so this this is their, you know, their belt and suspenders approach in order to ensure a conviction. They want him incarcerated. They want him incarcerated for a long time. That that's the objective of the left, and they're and they're driving very very hard at, at getting it done. Brett Tolman, our guest. Brett, the other thing would be the schedule. So at what point, where do you fit this trial in? You got March 20th, Alvin Bragg. You have a May date, which semi people uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we know about the civil case stuff, um, and we probably Georgia will come up at some point and do their, uh, their whole thing. So where, where do you fit this in, and do you think the president's team will, has an effective case in saying, we're not going to have time to study all, all these charges? Yeah, it's gonna, this is a tough one. <clears throat> to to assess when it's going to happen because you have a 70-day trial, Speedy Trial Act. They have to try the case within 70 days unless there's sufficient reasons <clears throat> to and, – and the defense has to agree – sufficient reasons to extend that 70 days. And typically in a case as complex as this, 
meaning they've alleged a conspiracy that involves multiple states, multiple co-conspirators. This this would take years to try. But what you see is Jack Smith's going to push this judge, and this judge is going to push to get the conviction done no matter what prior to, you know, 2024 election. And it really is one woman's decision. Yeah. And one woman's decision to recuse herself or not. They won't go to an arbitrator and say, hey, listen, yeah, she is compromised. She did work at the same law firm as Hunter Biden. She has cracked down and uh, really rejected almost everything, reversed so many decisions when President Trump was President Trump. And now after the, the punisher of January 6th, having all those things that wouldn't be enough, and it's only her vote anyway. Yeah, that's right. All right, I want to talk and, to, Go ahead. Yeah, just just add that <clears throat> she should recuse herself. I mean, our, our justice system, judges, I think typically <clears throat> there's two reasons to recuse yourself. There's an, there's an outright conflict. You represented the the defendant, or you you know took part in in whatever the underlying act, actions are, or you have a family member. That's a direct conflict. The other is the is the implied conflict, the <clears throat> sorry the the perception conflict, and this one absolutely rings the bell on the perception conflict that you you can't believe you're going to get a fair trial, and the and the and the community can't believe it's going to be a fair trial when you have the dynamic you do in this case and all the connections that she has to the political adversary of the of the defendant she's going to oversee the case of. So just real quick on Hunter, uh, Devin Archer comes out and he's going to be going to jail himself from some despicable financial acts. And he said, yeah, I was business partners with Hunter. And there's no doubt about it. Joe's influence in the Biden brand was able to get us this business that got us sitting down with the mayor of Moscow uh, in a Cafe Milano 2014 meeting uh, and others. And had key meetings with different officials, in, with uh, Chinese officials, Kazakhstan and, and Ukraine, Burisma Board, and all these things. So now that Joe Biden's role in this can no longer be dismissed, what changes? Well, you know, you heard the, the media on the left scrambling to try to explain this away and, and even going so far as to saying, look, it they weren't peddling anything illegal. They were just peddling the illusion of access to Joe Biden. Well, when he got on that phone call, the illusion is no longer there. It's actually real. That's an overt act, a conspiracy uh, to peddle access and influence um, is made at that point involving Joe, his brother, Hunter, all of them. I mean, talk about a real conspiracy that falls within the heartland of of, a, of statutes that that would that would um, criminalize this. I mean, this is it. I mean, these are prosecuted. This is bread and butter fraud prosecution and corruption prosecution that happens every day across this country. It's easy. It's an easy case. Um, and so we're just left to, to watch this and 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 see insiders revealing the conspiracy and DOJ doing nothing, nothing about it. And so what changes? I don't think anything changes until you have different leadership in the Department of Justice. Uh, here's John Solomon on new news and links to China. Cut nine. 
American energy going over to help the communist country. And they realize that the Biden family name is the deal that closes this. In fact, they use the Biden influence. They even use the word influence several times. Uh, Democrats have said, this isn't an influence peddling scheme. Well, just read these text messages. The be influence, one of the text messages say, well, make sure that the Chinese close the deal, make the payment, deliver the money. That's what these text messages So, Over the course of two years, Hunter Biden gets a great deal. There's millions flowing to him and his family. There's a three-carat uh, three diamond that he gets as a gift from the chairman of this company. And you see what's going on. Hunter Biden is using the Biden family name to help the communist Chinese energy company try to get energy resources on our soil, our know-how, or on Western soil in Europe, and send it over to the Chinese. And that's text messages he was able to discover. We know he also had a push from officials in Kazakhstan. We don't know where all the money was. Uh, probably blew it on drugs and hookers. But your thoughts on this, and you know, and knowing that I could talk to you in four days next week, and I know Comer's going to have more stuff. Yeah. So there's a there's a book called Master of the Senate. Um, yeah, terrific, terrific um, book on Lyndon Johnson, and it, it describes a, a, an incident in which. An individual brings $50,000 in cash and leaves it in the restroom, and then uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, an aide for Lyndon Johnson, goes and picks it up and uh, ultimately delivers it to Lyndon B. Johnson. Everybody that reads that looks at that and says, oh, that's just, you know, that's just blatant uh, corruption and illegal and bribery and whatever you want to, to describe it and condemn it. Well, here, we're not talking $50,000 in cash. You're talking about Hunter Biden and his team claiming that they are a lobbyist-type entity and, and, and firm, and they're indicating that they, they want so many millions of dollars. Well, the real difference between a legitimate lobbyist who Hunter could be, he could be paid you know, a million dollars, and he goes and he lob, lobbies members of Congress. But the two things that stand out is – you would never lobby your father because that would be illegal. You would also never facilitate the money you get paid as a lobbyist to actually go to your father, the, the individual that, that you, Brett, you call the big guy, the Brad. Yeah, that's, I'll that's to, the danger. I have to leave it there. It's, uh, it, it's maddening, and let's see if it, if it really develops because even the Washington Post is beginning to pay attention. Brett Tolman, thanks so much. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, we're back. Got a couple of minutes here. Don't forget to watch One Nation this weekend. One of the themes I've been really grabbing onto is we were able to go back, Eric uh, and Pete Nelson, would go back to the debates. And how many times Joe Biden has looked in the camera and just, just flat out lied? So people just say, you know, he's an older guy. He's been around forever. I don't really know a lot about him, but, you know, Donald Trump's a little crazy. So I'm just going to I'm going to vote for this guy. Everything that Donald Trump's saying doesn't make any sense. Uh, the laptop, the 51 intel agents, all of it's not doesn't sense. So in states like Georgia and Arizona and Wisconsin and possibly even Michigan, they flipped. And Pennsylvania, they flipped by a few thousand votes, not many votes. And then you wonder how people would feel if the guy across was involved in international business deals, but was never a businessman, but traded on our, his national power, given to him by the small cadre of supporters in Pence, in Delaware. He held onto the same job since he was 27 years old, so he knows all the levers of power. He has his sons, his family, 
drug-addled son going out there cutting these complex deals, and he comes in as the closer and the influencer to get things done in exchange. If you had known that, tell me that wouldn't have affected the election. So that's what I'm going to build on. Matt Taibbi is going to be uh, my lead guest on that, and he's Saturday at 8 o'clock. But I'm going to build on it here, too, because uh, much more of the show has been very intense week. So glad you're here. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you all week on a very busy week. I got back from Italy, was able to hit the ground running on Wednesday. That's the magic of a 10-hour flight. When you have a 10-hour flight and very few friends, uh, you sit around, you, you get introspective, you stare out the window, and then you realize it's... Nothing changes, and we're not really going that fast. And it's a lot of water. Uh, and then you realize I might as well get some work done. So I really feel like I didn't miss anything, although I missed some stuff. With me in studio right now, someone who never stares out the window. She's so busy. Shannon Bream, anchor of Fox News Sunday, Fox News chief legal analyst and author of the book, uh, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. And you're going to watch her pretty soon on the, on the weekend. Yeah, but first, Brian. Saturday night with Brian, Sunday morning with Shannon. Yeah, Brian. Saturday, uh, One Nation coming up at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Tim Sheehy's going to be here. Uh, and, you know, he's the special operator that wants to be the next senator, mm-hmm. uh, knock out uh, John Tester and Matt Taibbi. Mm-hmm. Where did the journalism go during the 2016 2020 election? To Fox and Friends? Yeah. Excuse me? To Fox and Friends. The, there was journalism there. Thank you. I'm just trying to give you a little Right. Credit. No, thanks. Plus, your show was on at that point. Were you were 11 or 12? You were 12. Um, one of those nighttime things. Right. Nighttime places. Um, pretty crazy week. It has been. I'm glad that during the commercial, I was here to help you with show prep for this weekend. Right. <laughs> I was serving as Brian's I got assistant. I, I got blitzed. <laughs> yeah, she handed me my folder. Uh, by the way, do we have, uh, Eric, do we have anybody any chance to have that Brett Tolman bite at any point? Okay. Hmm, so, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. This is a cool thing about radio. Does anybody say no to Brian Kilmeade, though? Everybody. I feel like it's always a yes, right? I don't think so. What happens is they pretend they can't get any, they don't, can't hear me, which is interesting <laughs> in an audio and a, and a I've known a husband or two to right. do that. It was probably for the best. <laughs> so Shannon, in particular, yesterday is taking place, uh, and I'm watching this, and I'm saying, how long are we going to say historic? How, how many times mm-hmm. are we going to say unprecedented? We, we're past that now. Right. And then the next one, we know George is coming in two weeks. You know that George yeah. is not going to have a press conference and go, you know, I don't see anything. I <laughs> cannot <laughs> yeah, imagine you know, just that would happen there. Just a call, let it go. Anything could happen. Uh, but, yeah, we're in that window where we expect if something's coming from that special grand jury in Georgia, it is coming soon. And I thought it was interesting that the sheriff down there said, unlike the federal proceedings, like, oh, yeah, if he gets indicted here, there will be a mugshot. And... Because it's different. And it's different as the state court down there. Can you, and some people were explaining to me, should he win? Should he become president? He could pardon himself. On federal charges. you can't charges. pardon yourself from the Georgia story? Yeah. So can you imagine, okay, you win president. <laughs> They're like, well, it's time for you to report to your jail sentence in Macon. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what? it's just the whole thing. You're right. We got to say, stop saying historic and unprecedented because now it's become old hat. So we one, know there's- the one thing that's uh, underreported is that if you are President Trump and you have to go to jail and you win the presidency, what about the people that are assigned to the White House? They all have to go to prison and cover the president as he meets with the press? I think working remotely is a good argument there. Hey, do you mind if I Zoom? Can I Zoom into your prison cell? Um, But remember, the Secret Service would have to be with him. 
So if he's president and has been convicted of something that puts him in jail that he can't pardon himself from, the Secret Service is going to have to go on eight-hour shifts, I guess, with him to prison. So there's a lot of people who feel as though, and you as a legal scholar, without taking your – I know you don't want to stay involved in opinion about guilty or not guilty, overcharged or undercharged. But just looking at these charges, there's no conspiracy uh, to throw an election. There's no, hey, Steve Bannon, you storm the gates. Hey, Proud Boys, you take the backside. Uh, hey, uh, Oath Keepers, you're surprised I know all these. Hey, Oath Keepers, you take the flank. Let's go. We found the game plan. There's, there, nothing seems to be found since the January 6th committee stuff, which was blatant partisan big show. Well, and that begs the question, is there more to this case than we don't know? Because what was in that indictment is so stuff the we've right, known. the indictment before you we've waste known. our time then? Well, but... Here's the thing. Okay, former Attorney General Bill Barr, who's been out there talking about this this week, said he thinks there's more. He thinks that Jack Smith has more than we've seen in this indictment. Uh, And maybe he doesn't want to give away the whole case. He wanted to give up enough for an indictment. But remember the grand jury, they hear from all kinds of people and things that some of that's going to be blocked at trial. Obviously, you don't have an adversarial process during the grand jury, meaning only one side's evidence is getting presented. So defense will get involved. There'll be a lot of pretrial wrangling about trying to keep out testimony from, you know, Pence or whoever. Uh, there, There's a long way to go. U.S. Attorney Brett Tolman just told us this. But what we're doing is we're, we're taking legal advice that's typically advice of counsel is a defense to a client. Um, we're taking that conduct. We're, we're throwing lawyers and a client into a conspiracy, and we're charging it criminal. Legally and factually, this is not a criminal case. But is it going to hurt Donald Trump? Yes, I, I think he'll be convicted. I think he'll be running for uh, president from from a jail cell. Oh, boy. Have you heard that? Um, I mean, anything I know people is hope possible. For that. Anything is Some possible. People. Certainly his detractors are hoping for that. But here's the deal. D.C., even though I do think it's the weaker of the two federal cases, I think the Mar-a-Lago case is more pro- problematic for the former president and his legal team. The D.C. jury is, you know, it's not Trump country. Ninety two percent of the vote in 2020 went for President Biden in D.C. There I can't imagine they don't file for a change of venue, but it's there's no guarantee the judge will even entertain that seriously or that they'll have a chance at that. Um, but I think he's going to have a much tougher time with a D.C. jury than he would with a Florida jury. So he's right. You think if Tolman, uh, you're a betting man, you know, the judge is known as the punisher for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, the judge as a judge has stopped four or five different piece of legislation that or, or executive orders that he put out have stopped them. And, you know, to January 6th, a Democrat who supported work for Barack Obama and then gave money to Barack Obama's campaign. You know where she stands, went to school at the same place, was at the same firm as Hunter Biden. So all this stuff, she is ultimately the decider whether she should recuse herself. Of course she should recuse herself, don't you think? Well, federal judges are not going to do that. Um, There are means to, uh, short of the Supreme Court, to, you know, make calls about recusals and those kinds of things. But we we want to trust our federal judges and we want to trust our jurors that they can be open-minded and fair. I mean, that's the way the system works. There are appeals. There are grounds for appeals if you feel like that there's been unfairness and bias in the process. Um, but I think for now that, the, you know, the Trump legal team is going to have to play the hand that they're dealt, and that includes this judge. They accuse that judge, but when? When does this trial start? I don't know, because I do think it could leapfrog Mar-a-Lago. I think the classified documents and getting the wrangling over that, that's going to slow that trial down a little bit. But they don't want a speedy trial, I don't think. I think the president's legal team. Trump doesn't. No, I think that they want this stuff to be after the election. I don't think they want it to be, listen, to prepare for any one trial. And there are now multiple state and federal trials looming for this president. You need your client focus. There's a ton of prep that goes into making sure you're ready for a trial. So if he's doing 
three, four, five, six of those while also running for president. It's nearly an impossible schedule to hold. I do think he is fueled by the fight, though. I think that he enjoys the back and forth. He enjoys the fight. But these legal cases are very draining and difficult for, you know, defendants sitting in that chair hoping for innocence. So what will he do? He'll fight and he'll do it through John Lauro, Mm who's his attorney handling this case. This is what he said to Laura last night, Cut 15. This is criminalized First Amendment speech because President Trump, like all of us, has a right to redress grievances, has a right to protest an election that he felt was unfair, has a right to uh, campaign on a position. And they've attacked that right, not just for President Trump, but for everyone. But now, today in court, which was a very terribly sad day, they're attacking other parts of the Constitution because they want to take President Trump to trial in a few months. They want to deny him his Sixth Amendment rights to counsel, to give me and my co-counsel, Todd Blanche, an opportunity to prepare. They want to deny President Trump his due process rights to look at documents, to get witnesses, to use our subpoena power. They want to deny all of him those rights in a rush to judgment for one political purpose, and that's to uphold the Biden administration. Make no mistake about it. This has Merrick Garland's handiwork all around it. Do you see Garland's handiwork all around it, or do you see him just signing off on Jack Smith's work? Well, what the DOJ will say is that all these decisions are left to the special counsel. But what's also true is that there can be a final sign-off by the AG. It essentially goes through their office, and if they see something glaring that they want to flag or disagree with, they can. But what they'll say is, this is Jack Smith's case. He handled it. We didn't see any major problems that you know needed us to intervene with it, and so it just proceeded. I, I guess that's where we stand. Uh, we'll see these two cases, and then we're going to see Alvin Bragg on March 20th. Mm-hmm. People talk about these like these are chess pieces. Oh, they'll get Alvin Bragg to move. He'll voluntarily step aside. <laughs> I mean, how does this work? One court talks to another court just because they're friendly with each other? Why would anybody want to move as a prosecutor their trial? You know, and Bragg's going to say, hey, I got my indictment in first. It's in March. I don't see that I need to move. I mean, it's not... The Trump team, I believe that's one of the cases they try to move it to federal court and they said no. So it's going to stay in New York state court. They went first and they're going to argue that should be their position. Um, the fact that there's a meeting on this D.C., the latest indictment on the 28th, that's moving very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see what the federal judge has to say at that president point. President doesn't have to go to that. The former president. Well, he didn't have to go yesterday either. Oh, I didn't know that. No. So the fact that he went was a choice. I mean, the optics of it. And I think that he likes to show that he's going there. I mean, with his social media yesterday, he said, I'm going here to get arrested for you. And so I think there are a lot of good optics in that for him. It works. It's working in fundraising. It's working on the campaign trail. He'll be back in Alabama today, and you better believe he's going to talk about this. Isn't it this type of things that Jesus says? Like, you know, he did a lot for us, and so is Trump. Do you see a lot of the parallels? I do not. <laughs> you want to think about Only that because you know where I stand on the faith issue. Yes, I believe Jesus stood in the gap for us and in very important ways in saving us from ourselves. I would not equate any other human to doing that. All right, we'll see. We'll, 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 uh, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's Newt Gingrich on who should be charged. Cut 20. And I, I'm absolutely certain that the current Attorney General Merrick Garland is, is in grave danger of uh, being charged with obstruction of justice and with having destroyed the system. I I think the Congress, frankly, should be right now subpoenaing all the documents between Smith and Garland, because I think Garland's been directing this. I think the timing is weird. Uh, As as you know, the other night, 
uh, we, we, uh, Waters put up a chart that showed something happens to Hunter, the next two, to two or three days something happens to Trump. Something happens to Hunter, the next two or three days something happens to Trump. I mean, this is so blatantly, disgustingly political that it has no business being in the Department of Justice. So, Newt Gingrich, you know how he feels. Do you think he has a case? Do you think that uh, we should charge Garland? Here's the thing. That House majority is so slim, and then you hit a brick wall in the Senate. So unless Republicans win a lot more seats in both of those chambers, I don't see how they could move forward with impeachment. I mean, you, you could move forward with it. You'll probably get it through the House, but it's going to die in the Senate. I know Shannon Bream is with us now. She's getting set to host Fox News Sunday. And I know a lot of times you'll just sit in the halls of Congress and just listen. Mm-hmm. When you were in the hall of Congress, do you believe the Republicans are getting poised to start impeachment proceedings in September? Is that real? I think that they're, they're trying to have their internal conversations and figure that out before they get any more public conversation going about it. You saw how well that went when some of those folks lifted their head and were like, yeah, we're thinking about moving forward with impeachment. There were even Republicans who stood up and said, like, wait a minute, we need to be very careful with launching the I word. Um, as much as they railed on it during the Trump administration, they got to be careful because everybody's going to throw those quotes right back in their face. And you know it's going nowhere in the Senate. It just isn't. Dianne Feinstein now has her daughter take power of attorney. Mm-hmm. She's clearly failing. How long are they going to prop her up? I've, you know, congratulations. Great life, great career. I don't really know her. People really respect her. I understand that. But doing the job, but both you and I, if we were in that situation and couldn't mm-hmm. do the job, we would be we'd be told, to hit, sorry, here's your gold watch in your case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go now. You're getting platinum. Right. Do you think they're holding on to her position because – they know that if she has to resign, Gavin Newsom has promised to replace mm-hmm. him with a black woman, and that would stop Adam Schiff from becoming senator. There's so many competing interests there because, you know, Nancy Pelosi's backing someone. Uh, you've got other members of Congress Schiff. backing other people, right, backing Schiff. And then you've got uh, other members out there who are, you know, calling for Diane Feinstein to step down because they're backing someone else, and they want them to get appointed. They want no them to get that her, seat. Though. I know. And the crazy thing is so much of it has been about the Senate Judiciary Committee because if they lose her vote, it's not clear that Republicans would play ball at all with allowing Democrats to put somebody else on that committee, and it's it's a key committee. Uh, Shannon, who's going to be on your show? John Lauro, representing President Trump, is going to be on with us. Um, so we're going to talk through all the legal. We've got Andy McCarthy and John Yu with us to talk the legal and the political, too. Um, we've got Congressman Auchincloss with us to talk about the Hunter Biden thing. Why do Democrats think the Devin Archer um, transcript was a dance slam dunk for them? Because Republicans think the same thing. So we'll debate all that. And we got a lot of foreign policy, too. All right. I got one. Uh, Jen Psaki weighed in on that. You're not going to believe what she said. More with Shannon Bream in a moment. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show, Fox News Sunday, coming up on Sunday. That's the day for Fox News Sunday. Back in a moment. I'm being indicted for you. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. And there's no evidence of that, but they're going to keep trying because that is the argument that they they want to fuzzy the waters out there, muddy the waters, not fuzzy them, muddy the waters out there. That, by the way, is a tactic that Vladimir Putin and other authoritarian dictators use, but that's their strategic objective, to make it all seem the same. Right. Russian disinformation. So, Shannon, I want you to be ready for all types of angles for your Fox News Sunday show. Okay. Jen Psaki, who is extremely bright, I don't care if you agree with one syllable she says. She no is. one doubts mm-hmm. how smart she is, and she knew the issues better than the president, whether you agree with them or not. For her to say that, I was almost like, 
Really? <laughs> to think well, that the Devin Archer revelations that talked about Joe Biden's role uh, and the parachuting into 20 separate meetings over the course of 10 years, a handwritten note saying, I'm so glad you and Hunter are working together, showing the president lied about not talking about his overseas business, telling the picture of him golfing together. And he says classic Russian disinformation. Really? Well, and I'm so glad that only certain people in Washington would ever try to muddy the waters on any topic. Like right. it's exclusive to any certain group of people. Like everybody does this you, because what is the saying? If you're explaining, you're losing. So they, you know, whoever it is, either side, you want the other side to be so confused that they have to keep explaining. They have to keep like you just laid out with Devin Archer or whatever. A lot of people are like, I don't even know who Devin Archer is. What interview? I mean, average people that are trying to put food on the table and pay their bills are are not as into this as we are. So thank goodness you're here to tell them. So Nicole Parker is an FBI agent and she was on Fox News at night, your old show Mm -hmm. with uh, I think Trace was on last night. And uh, here's what he said about the transcript that's been released that you can get at foxnews.com about yep. Devin Archibald closed doors on Monday. Uh, cut 10. This transcript is very, very powerful evidence. Obviously, there's going to need to be a lot of further investigation to occur, but it appears that the, the Bidens made millions of dollars based on their family name. They used their brand. They used it to, you know, intimidate people to get out of, get Burisma out of legal trouble. And this is something that needs to be investigated. I think that the unfortunate part is that it appears that the Department of Justice is not doing their job and doing a full and thorough investigation. You know, it appears that the Congress, members of Congress are having to do a lot of right. the work. The whistleblowers are having to do the work. Devin Archer is coming forward. The Hunter Biden laptop. You know what? If FBI and Department of Justice aren't going to investigate it, the truth is going to come to light one way yep. or another. But in what generation? <laughs> I mean, we got <laughs> James, Comer's getting, yeah, James Comer's pulling out more international uh, shell companies uh, to find out what's going on. But does this drive you crazy, Shannon? Because Tony Bobulinski told us a lot of this. Would mm-hmm. Devin Archer kind of reveal by Years doors? ago. Years ago, right. he did, and he was able to confirm these emails that I'm on, I, they're legit. The ones on the laptop, I was a party to them. Yes, I have them on the receiving end. These are not phoned up, made up emails. So he's been saying that for years. So for Devin Archer to now come out, it's also you have to remember that before 2020, before the election, the FBI knew that the FBI, that the laptop was real. They knew that. So when the dozens of people came out, the intel people, and signed that letter, the, the FBI never publicly spoke up and said, like, actually, we already know it's you true. You know who else who knew it? Joe Biden. He had no problem looking right in the camera. He knew that was his son's laptop. Those were his emails, his voicemail, and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And he allowed his friends to be compromised by putting their reputations on the line and mm-hmm. saying 51 intel experts said this is classic Russian disinformation. I know you look for the good in people, I but do. that's a blatant lie. There was no even gray area. You can't say, well, that's not what I meant. Can I take you to lunch at Chick-fil-A now? Chick-fil-A? We stand on Do you still have a show to do? And hope there'll be a, a place to sit? That's not, that's not hanging out. No, no, no. We're going to get it to go. Then we can eat in so, your fancy office. So we'll, oh, well, we will eventually sit down. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Your office. I'm on. Okay. I'm in. It's on me. Thanks, Shannon. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. People that, that love Trump, they feel like this is a witch hunt. And they feel like all the things he's getting indicted for are bull- anyway. It does, it not only does it not work, but it kind of hardens their position that he's being targeted and that this is these are like the the actions of a banana republic you take your political rival and you arrest him and specifically you charge him with things that you're guilty of like the 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 documents like the classified documents biden's guilty of the exact same issue that was joe rogan an impactful player in every sense of the word 
going to bat for Trump. He doesn't go to Trump a lot. I listen a lot. He's not Mr. Trumper, but he's not anti-Trumper. He's open. Uh, Tyrus is here, Fox Nation host, just fresh off doing uh, a week. Was it a complete week of gut was, uh Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still doing all right. I'm still, You're still, I'm okay. still with us, man. Now, I heard you last night. You were extremely yeah. funny. Uh, yeah. Just Tyrus, name of the memoir. And by the way, he's got dates coming up where you can see him on stage. He's basically stand-up, bringing in all his uh, very unique life, his great life story, as well as his days here at Fox, intimate stories that nobody wants to get out, but only everyone's afraid to tell Tyrus to not say anything. And also he... Uh, he just does a stand-up, and he also is this outstanding wrestler and football player. Uh, so he's got dates on the 24th in Decatur, Illinois, on the 7th in Gulf Spring, Alabama. Alabama loves us and should be you. October 21st in Woodruff, Virginia, and on the, on the 11th in Walhalla, South Carolina, and November 17th uh, over in Los Angeles. And Crowley is a Louisiana. Excuse Louisiana, me. Louisiana, my, my Crowley, Louisiana. In Louisiana, which yeah. is a home game for you. Yeah, it's a home, well, it's a short drive, which I'll take. You know, uh, one of the things to stand up, I don't talk very much about Fox, but I do make one joke um, where I'll be, you know, they'll ask me, like, what's it like? Because I do a Q&A afterwards where the fans get to ask questions. And uh, they're always asking me, like, when are you going to get your own show? When are you going to get? I said, well, you know, thing about Fox is when they give you a new show, they don't take away an old show. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, and the next thing you know, you're kill me. You right. know, and you just want to say to them, go home, man. Just go <laughs> home. And it, it always gets a big laugh because they're like, I'm like, has anyone had a week where they didn't see kill me? It's impossible. That I mean, is got, cool. And I said, and then someone asked, like, what's he like in the hallway? I said, he doesn't. He has to keep going. He goes from one place to another. He doesn't have time to talk. He, you got to get it in an elevator, otherwise he's, he's got to keep moving. But you're so. pretty much a guy that uh, stares straight ahead too, though. Yeah, yeah. You know? We just we focus on the job. You know, we don't really have time for for pleasure. Is it weird for you to just be in an office every day? Yeah. Uh, Are you used to it yet? No. Well, and plus my office is different because I'm generally I haven't changed much from my college days and like what I do to decompress and keep my mind right. I research, then I take a break and play on my Xbox. I research, then you know my kids will jump on my Xbox. So a lot of times when people knock on the door and open up, I'm playing a a, a game and they're like, I was like, listen, this is my process. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can sit around and you guys have your little your little powwows and your life conversations, but. Uh, this is how I this is how I keep my mind right. So well, that, that's good because you, you're doing gut filled three or four times a week. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, when you choose, like when you do, did they ask you when you want to come on? No. Uh, you know what it is. I typically do Tuesday through Friday, um, and then uh, I'm supposed I'm scheduled for three, but I do four. That way, I have some wiggle room when I have uh, events and stuff coming up. So, so, uh, Tyrus, coming off that last statement. I always like look outside Fox. I'm I'm always flipping around. Do you do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. You to, have to, to get an idea. Plus, you you, you got to understand. You, you gotta travel have the country. So you're yeah. talking to people all the time. So so when I hear Joe Rogan come out and say people understand that this is this is out of control now. Well, here's the here's the thing. What what the mainstream media or the anti-Trump movement tries to convince you that the only people who support him is his base. And so that's their that's their thing. They're, that he's in the polls because all his base is showing up. But what we're seeing and what I've seen across the country, it's not the base. It's everyday people. Rogan's just stating the obvious that everyone is bringing up. And even even he makes a great point uh, about, but I would even challenge him, President Trump was the president. He could declassify anything he wants to. Vice President Biden and Senator Biden had no business having classified information outside of that room. So there was a president could make the argument that it was declassified or he could yeah. declassify and say he could make that argument in court. Biden can't make that argument. You know, we why was hear it anything about his investigation? No, no. And that's the, and that's what people are being drawn to. What they're making 
they just with Trump, they don't get it because they need him so much because now their ratings are back. They will literally we literally saw a reporter who was stationed for CNN in the middle of the street waiting for his car to come by just to come by just like catch a glimpse to hopefully see him un- unwind or unravel. The guy That's, they despise. Yeah, because they need him because they get ratings and the ones who profited the most from him, the Jim Acostas, they had great rises during the Trump administration. And then once Trump was gone, they fell off a cliff. Especially CNN. Yeah, because that's what their whole thing. And instead of learning from their lesson, they're doing it again. And again, they'll get their first, they'll get the bump. People will watch. They'll watch the car accident. But after a while, it's like, you know, I always talk about, uh, I had a great wrestling trainer, Dr. Tom Pritchard, always used to tell me, you know, I, I want to do so much in the ring. He goes, yeah, and the first night you do it in the ring, it's like two elephants making love in the front yard. Everybody in the neighborhood's going to stop to watch this spectacle. Horrified, impressed, shocked, whatever. Everyone, you're going to be in the paper. You're going to have TV. Everyone's going to come to see them. By week three, they're just walking around the elephants. By week four, it's just a lawn ornament. Nobody cares anymore. And that's CNN and those, uh, the, they're like, right now we got them. Everyone's tuning in. We got them. What you're doing is you're showing the case to the independents and everyday Americans who are like, you know what? I don't like the way this is he's being treated. So having said all that and the sentiment being out there, we have to put this in context. And it is jail. Yeah. Freedom or jail. So listen to what Brett Tolman just told us. And, you know, he's not an anti-Trumper. I think he is a U.S. attorney. Listen. But what we're doing is we're, we're taking legal advice that's typically advice of counsel is a defense to a client – um, we're taking that conduct. We're we're throwing lawyers and a client into a conspiracy, and we're charging it criminal. Legally and factually, this is not a criminal case. But is it going to hurt Donald Trump? Yes, I, I I think he'll be convicted. I think he'll be running for uh, president from from a jail cell. How do you feel about that? Uh, unfortunately, I reluctantly agree. I think, and here's the thing: I'm not a, a Trumper. I voted for Trump twice because I thought he was the better choice. Um, but I, did I have issues? Yeah, you've had issues. You've called it straight down the line. Um, but to look at it, they're charging him with so many. They just need 70, one. Seventy-four. They just need one, and we're in. They're not going to stop because if they get one, then they've won. At least they think they won. But I, I, I honestly think what they've done. Instead of, uh, like, you know, in the 60s, it probably would have been a bullet in the back of the head. That was probably when assassinations in America were a thing. Yeah. Now they try to assassinate you through the social media and in the news. and this, But what they're creating is a living martyr. So even if they, let's say they succeed and somehow that, that, that Biden ends up beating Trump in the, in the election to be president, they are, they are literally spawning a generation that's going to come behind Trump with his philosophy, with the drain, the swamp. It's never going to go back to the way they want it. It's never going to go back to the, you buy my son's paintings, you buy him enough, you put enough money in our pockets, right. then you'll get a cush job. Because that's how it was. And no one talked about it. And everyone did it. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you put in a bunch of money. Next thing you know, your kid who can't get a job is an ambassador or you're in charge of this thing. And this is how government worked. Trump changed that. Because he didn't need their money or their favors, and they despised him for it. And this is – they don't want to go back because when you hear them argue about him real quick, when you listen like The View and they set, talk about they call him a criminal and they call him all these things, where's the convictions? What crimes was he up against before what, what was basically 
for four years you had a coup out loud, a, a polite coup where you try to take him out of office. He loses office, and you're shocked that he thinks it's rigged. Right. And what situation on what planet where you and I come to work every day and half the building's trying to get us fired? And then, lo and behold, we get cut on budget cuts. You and I are going to be sitting at the bar going, this is BS. They're right. out to get us. This was rigged. No one's not going to think that way. And it can't be illegal to go to the bar and talk and no, about it's not. that. But, and, and then if I had an attorney that you might not like and, you know, crackpot, whatever you want, genius, but they're giving, they're giving advice different from the other law, law advice. Yeah. Okay, fine. All right. Yeah. I, I, want, I, I, believe, uh, I believe one thing. I'm going to listen to these attorneys. Now, to me. You didn't have proof, Mr. President. Uh, move on. Sometimes in life you lose. You don't. You blame the refs. You blame the field. You blame the state. Whatever it is. Sometimes you lose. You couldn't prove it. So move on. And yeah. if he did move on, shook his hand, showed up at the inaugural, whatever, will be a rematch. Andrew Jackson style. There'll be a rematch. Right. But I and he'd be back. There'll be nobody else in the race, and he'd be at seventy-two percent approval rating. If I went through two BS impeachments, a Russian scandal, my entire presidency, which disrupted me doing work. Uh, I don't think I would shake hands with the other side either. Okay. Because there was an opportunity for Joe Biden. There was an opportunity. Even now, his, his silence speaks volumes. There was an He's opportunity for lead, for leadership to see, like, you know what? We're going to come together. I'm going right. to be the. I'm extend the olive branch. But he didn't do that because they're so afraid of him. And even now, his silence, because you should be telling the American people some assurance, like, listen, we're going to get to the process, but I promise it is going to be due process. If there was an issue with the judge, we're going to replace the judge. We're going to make sure that this thing's done right. Or you say, let's settle this after the election for the American people. Let, let the American people decide who's president, and then we'll sort it out in court afterwards. But he's not doing those things because he's, he, this is great cover for him. Does it blow you away that people are allowed to get away with this because of the way you grew up? You know, when people broke the law and did stuff, they paid the price. And they were vilified for it. We're watching people in suits do things if they were wearing a different thing in a different occupation, yep. in a different city. They would never get away with this. I used to argue all the time uh, when people would tell me, oh, you can't do anything about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Literally, you steal a, a soda from 7-Eleven. They'll come to your house and get you. That's what I grew up with. So when they when I would hear like, oh, there's nothing going to be done, I would lose my mind. Because I'm like, no, you just you're just being afraid. You're being lazy. Take the steps, file the charges, do the right thing. And you would think with the with the cameras on and the and the the very best of the very best of the DOJ, uh, we they can't put two things together that anybody who's watched Murder She Wrote twice right. can put together with Hunter Biden and his dad. Like it's ridiculous. And then the things that is so easy to like you and I could connect that Rubik's cube pretty easy. We don't have to pull any stickers or anything. But then. All the information going on a guy who said probably inappropriate and wrong things. But again, I can sympathize or empathize with President Trump because he literally had to go through right. unbelievable, uh, unbelievable attacks his entire presidency with no basis or no foundation. So when the elect votes come in, he I have to keep saying this because this makes no sense to me. He 1,000% should be saying it was rigged. And that's when Pence and the lawyers came in and said, I know you feel that way, but this is how it is. He didn't care. He was wronged his entire presidency. He should be bitter. It's a natural – he had the highest office. And it used to be when a president won, even if you disagreed with him, the first 100 days was his. It used to be a mutual respect. He didn't get 100 him. hours. He didn't get 10 minutes. 
So I don't, I don't, I would be saying the same thing. Yeah, James Comey pull him over his own boardroom and yeah. say, listen, they, they got this tape out here. Yeah. The, and, and now we find out that all this stuff wasn't real. None of it was real. And Comey knew it. He knew it. They just, it, it's what the problem we right now in this country is the virtue signaling. And there's a small group, and they use the term elites, but there's not much elite about them other than the fact that they have money and they can pull strings that have decided that they know what's best for the American people. We, he's not good for you. They're basically that, that step-parent you never wanted. They're trying to put their Tyrus, rules and morals on you. I thought so until I saw them go after DeSantis the way they did. You know, they're going after – they're going for this light as a – Whoever is to, leading. Kill him. Kill him. Not just beat him. No, because he's they can't beat him. He's a racist, sexist, thinks yeah. slavery's they, good. They are – it's so funny because they say if the Republicans get into office, we'll be going back to 1963. But I argue – under your policies, we're already there. <laughs> okay, so the police in the in the early '60s and '50s, based off of uh, us against them mentality, whites versus blacks mentality, they wouldn't help in the neighborhoods, right? They refused to help in the neighborhoods with crime. Now we have it to where you've depleted the police force where they can't help. So the only difference and if you is you touch somebody that yeah. happens to be a minority, you're yeah. going to jail. Yeah. So all they've done is is they've recreated it. It's just they've done it politely, to saying there's no help coming. And we're not going to do anything about it because we're giving you your freedom. Right. There's no difference. The difference was the policemen were back then, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, not all, because they still men and women who did their job because the civil rights wasn't done by one group. It was done by all colors coming together. Yep. Poli- white policemen, black policemen, all parts of our country coming together saying enough of this. But at least they had the the, the dignity to say, no, I'm I'm racist and I don't participate. At least you knew where you stood there. Right, yeah. You don't know where you stand now until you are sitting there in a, outside your home being having your car taken from you and your wife beat up. Then you realize that they're not – they right. don't give a damn up. But they care about you, though. And that's that's the part that's disgusting. Yeah, when you got your face smashed in like that woman At least tell me to my Portland. face I'm not welcome. I have more respect for a man who will tell me that I don't want to sit at the dinner table with you because right. I don't like the way you look than a guy who sits at the table and tells me how lucky I should feel that he was able to come and spend time with me. All right, Tyrus is here. A uh, couple more minutes when we come back. Are you going to be on Guffell tonight? Yeah. All right, good. good. So we'll see him tonight at uh, 10 o'clock now. And then when we come back, more on his dates and what to expect when you see him on stage. Don't move. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. Tyrus is here. So if you want to see Tyrus on stage, which is a show like no other, it's called... Uh, what does it say? Nuff said? Nuff said. This is a Nuff said tour. I just oh. finished the Tyrus live, uh, and then my next stand-up set is is Nuff said. And um, August twenty fourth in Decatur, uh, Illinois. That August, kicks it uh, off. Yep. Yes. Uh, October seventh in Gulf Shores, Alabama. The twenty first in Woodford, Virginia. Uh, then we're on the eleventh in Walhalla, South Carolina. November seventeenth at at uh, in Crowley, Louisiana. And go to for tickets. You go just to just go to my link tree. Yep. Uh, link tree. Okay, great. Yep. And by the way, how big is your staff? Oh, there's just my wife and me and my kids. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So I don't sleep. So do you um <laughs> so when you go to these events, they work, they sell the books. We and- have volunteers, uh or we pay uh someone to work merch for us. Sometimes my uh son's uncle 
DeVito, when he's not wrestling in Japan, he, he works with me. But we keep it small. Uh, this was something that um, I've always snuck in and done improv here and there. I never looked at comedy because uh, this sounds silly, but because of my size, I was always told I was too big to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. And I just didn't feel like arguing with people. So I would just sneak in and do improvs every now and then. And basically it was an argument. Uh, with Ingrid, my other half, and uh, she said, "Well, I could book you venues." And I said, "And I was watching the football game. I didn't even turn my head. I just said, yeah, whatever. Just you can do it. You can run it, and you can keep the money.' So great. Uh, backfired completely because now she's she just, keeps the money. Yeah, I get I get fifteen percent of every <laughs> show, like legit fifteen percent. So, so, so are you comfortable acting outside your character? Yeah, like when I'm because uh, you act, you're in movies. I do movies and stuff, but usually I play. The thing about movies is very rarely do I get a a smart character. <laughs> I'm usually the big dumb guy, and then I'll sneak little things in. That shows you're not comfortable. Yeah, like uh, when I was doing preacher, I was uh, I was the devil. I was the devil's uh, bodyguard in the. I was in charge of the jail cell, so I was Hellguard. That was my name, Hellguard, real original. And he was just stare, stoically stare, but he was like, "You're a bully. You're this." So I would do little things like one of the actors was dribbling a basketball, and as I walked by, I knocked the basketball away and smirked. Because that's what a bully would do in hell, in my opinion. Like, you would ruin everybody's day. And so I would just do little things like that in pretty much every project I've been in. That's kind of, And then all of a sudden, one day, they'll come in back from a meeting and be like, hey, we're adding lines here. We want to do this. Can we get more facial stuff? Like, do your, do your, do you. And so it, it, it's a risk, though, because sometimes you do it and they're like, hey, just stand there. And <laughs> I've had that, too. Just you're going to die in the next scene, okay? No oh, yeah. one wants to know you. Absolutely. Hey, Tyrus, great seeing you. We'll see you tonight. Yep. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on stage and your new book coming out in the fall, right? Oh, by the way, next time you send an amateur for the duel on your show, One Nation, you better you better bring somebody who's ready because okay. I called you out. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.